Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground, and in response they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with a woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin any more. The Gospel of the Lord. Father Chris Geiger, who was a seminary intern here for a year, once had an insight to this gospel that kind of opened it up for me in a new way that I had never seen before, because obviously it's about forgiveness. But he had this perspective that, a detail that people have speculated for many, many generations. What is it that Jesus is writing on the ground? What is he doing as he writes on the ground? Is he writing their sins? Is he writing something else? What is it? that Jesus is writing. But what Father Chris Geiger noted about that particular action of Jesus is that it does something very specific in the narrative. It does something very specific for this woman. Because as it says that the scribes and the Pharisees dragged this woman caught in adultery into the middle. It specifically says the middle, the middle of the crowd, so that everyone is focused upon her and her shame. But Jesus, by the very act of bending down and writing on the ground, what does he do? He takes the attention off of her. And instead everybody's like, what the heck is he doing? Where is Jesus at? What is he? He's writing on the ground. What is he writing? And so people are probably trying to get a closer look to see what he's doing. Instead of being focused on this woman and her shame. And so as, you know, as he does so, he draws the attention away from this woman, her sin, and instead directs attention where the attention should be, ultimately upon him, and where our attention should be as well. Our attention should always be on the Lord, first and foremost. Because so often, we do want to focus on one another's sins, and we even focus too much, perhaps, on our own. Not that we shouldn't go to confession, not that we shouldn't be sorry for our sins, but what I mean is instead, we condemn ourselves as we see all these people begin to direct their attention, prepare to throw stones, prepare to condemn this woman. We too can do this to ourselves first. Not good enough. You're not worthy. Do you th really think God would want you now? All these other ways in which we say those sort of words to ourselves, which are all lies. 
then we can say it to our spouses. Sure, you did the dishes, but you didn't put them back in the right spot. Not good enough. Sure, my husband tried to fold the laundry, but he didn't fold the underwear just in the way I like. Not good enough. We can look at all the other ways that perhaps those around us, a child, tries for the first time to do this task or that task. Not good enough. So often we focus on the ways in which people don't do it exactly to our liking, especially those closest to us. And this is a great danger. Not only for those individuals that are certainly discouraged, but then also for ourselves. Because then we convince ourselves that our happiness will only come to reign within our hearts when everything is just as we have always desired, always planned out, and have always seen it. But instead, our happiness and our peace does not rely upon having the perfect situation, the right house, the perfect husband, the perfect wife, the perfect kids. But instead, it rests upon what is at the center of today's gospel. Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go and do not sin anymore. As we approach this season of the Paschal Triduum, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection of our Lord, we also look towards Divine Mercy Sunday, which kind of clamps all that into one. Jesus dies on the cross for our sins, and then by rising from the dead, he restores us to life, gives us the possibility of hope once again. Not only is our sin put to death, but then again, he raises us to new life, to eternity, the possibility that heaven is truly within our grasp, and that he raises us to that dignity, but that he also desires to raise us up in this life, in the sense that we live with hope. We live in the hope that even though we don't always get it exactly right here and now, that he will still continue to strengthen us, that he'll still continue to lift us up, just as any father who's know, son or daughter is beginning to learn to walk. As they tumble and fall after taking a few steps, he's there immediately to raise them up and encourage them to try once again. So do does our Lord do this with us time and time again. As St. Josemaria Escriva put it, a saint is a sinner who keeps trying. It is for us to continue trying, to go forward with the attitude to not sin again, Whenever we go to the confessional, the church just asks us to have a firm purpose of amendment. What is that? That is the desire, ultimately, to go forth and sin no more. What Jesus tells this woman to do, to go and sin no more. And it is important for us to always have that desire. Because with that desire, we can try again and again and again. We can hope, this is the time. Maybe this is the, finally the day on which I break free of this sin I've struggled with for days, weeks, months, years, decades. We must always live with that hope because God can do it in our midst. He can always do it. Maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow. We must always live in that hope. Because if we do not have that, well then, we're lost. We'll just go on sinning again and again. But then this brings me to then perhaps a particular point that I preached about on Friday at my daily Masses, and that is that we must also avoid, yes, tearing ourselves down, 
we must also avoid tearing those down around us. Because so often this destroys the peace within a family, within a home, within our hearts. Because it also steals from people, well, their peace. It doesn't allow us to trust one another. But I think this is even true, you know, with an attitude not good enough. It's an attitude that every single one of us can have. Not good enough. We can do it with ourselves, we can do it with our spouse, our children. We can even do it with our priest. Not good enough. I get that father, Father's trying to do the right thing, but not good enough. And to be fair, priests can do it with our people. Not good enough. But the fact is, is that the more we do that to one another, the more we tear one another down, the more damage we do to the body of Christ. And as I try to point out to people, is that whenever we tear down our parish, our priest, one another within our parish community, do you think that really makes anybody want to come in? Do you think that makes anybody really want to be a part of it? Because so often, who does it get put on? Me. Father Aaron. Whoever the priest was. It's their fault. It's their fault that these people don't come to church. Or is it perhaps that we speak so unkindly of one another that does anybody actually want to participate in that? Instead, we need to build one another up and encourage one another in faith. That is our call. That is what St. Paul exhorts, whether it's the Corinthians, Thessalonians, Romans, whichever church it was. It's nothing new. He saw it in the first century. and We see it down into our day. And so we must encourage one another in faith. Because we can do it. You can do it. I see it all the time. So many people desire us to follow our Lord more closely. To take up their cross as we sing in our opening hymn. Take up their cross and follow the Lord. People do indeed desire to do that all over the place here. And I commend you for it. I am oftentimes a proud papa. That is very, very true. And so I want to encourage each and every one of you to, yes, stop condemning yourself first. If you don't stop condemning yourself first, it's going to be hard to stop condemning others. But then as you do so, also stop condemning spouses, children, other family members and friends. And yes, I even ask you to stop condemning your priest and your parish. But instead, let us step out together in faith, trusting that the Lord desires to do great good in our midst, because he does. He has great plans for you. He has great plans for me. He has great plans for our family of parishes. So in hope, let us strike out as we begin to move towards the Paschal Trinity, the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord, by which he desires to save each and every one of us for our sin and give us the joy and the hope of eternal life forever with him.